It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Stand to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We've lurched our way to the end of another month, it would seem, and there are now just 29 days left until Brexit. The big question is, will Theresa May take a leap out of Donald Trump's book and actually walk away from the table in order to get what she wants? Everyone this morning appears to be criticising the US president for failing to do a deal in Vietnam uh, with North Korea's Kim Jong-un. But in fact, he obviously knows what he's doing. Coming up, we'll explain exactly what happened in Westminster last night, why we are uh, edging ever closer to a deal anyway, and why Norway's wealth fund is investing more money in Britain than ever before. Apparently, uh, they're looking forward to Britain post-Brexit. First up today, though, we're addressing the sorry state of the NHS as we hear that more and more GPs are giving up the ghost and plan to quit within the next five years. Apparently, uh, they're not too happy about the way that things are going. Once again, the woeful management of what is meant to be the best health service in the world is crippling it. 0344 499 1000. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll find out why Instagram stars are getting warned off going to not Hill uh, because they all keep apparently showing up and having their pictures taken and whether you should get a smart collar for your dog so you always know where he is. If your dog's wandering about and you have no idea where the dog is, shouldn't you be uh, perhaps re-evaluating exactly what your dog is doing? 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, we often talk about the NHS on this show because as much as there are plenty of reasons to love the NHS, there are also plenty of reasons to be incredibly frustrated by it. I mean, I know people uh, who are I mean, still waiting for operations that should have been done months ago, uh, but they're on a waiting list and they keep being told that unless there's some kind of cancellation, I'm terribly sorry, that's not going to happen uh, until possibly the end of the year. And if, in fact, uh, you'd like to go private, you can get it done next week. That is clearly unacceptable. We've now got a situation where GPs in this country are so overworked uh, that basically they have no time to themselves. They have to spend weekends doing administrative work just to make sure that they can run uh, their their GP surgeries properly. And they are working sort of all the hours that God gives because there's too many uh, patients and not enough doctors. It seems to me that the people running the NHS don't seem to have a clue precisely what they are doing. 0344 499 1000. I know that you always want to tell us stories. Some of them are always heroic stories about the people that work inside the NHS and the hard work and the hours that they put in. But some of them are also about how 
difficult it is and how frustrating it can be trying to get treated on the NHS when you are not in an emergency situation. Let's talk uh, to Dr Lawrence Gurlis, who's a GP at Same Day Doctor, because the latest story that I'm seeing today suggests that in about five years' time, half of the GPs currently working will have quit. Let's find out from Dr Lawrence precisely why. Dr Lawrence, a very good morning to you. Good morning, yeah. This is a complex situation. Let me say I am a fan of the NHS. I still think it's a very good system. So am I. It's a very fair system. And I actually don't blame the politicians. I think it's down to the general public. We voted for this system that's free at the point of use. It's comprehensive, so it does everything. And it offers you know, free emergency treatment to people from overseas and so on. So I think that if you set up any system like that, for all the good with it, you are going to get places where it's used, abused and, and yeah. overused. Listen, Doctor, I don't, inevitable. I don't actually blame the politicians no. either, but what I do blame is the management of the NHS because I think it's badly managed. And yeah, I think actually, that's I very would, clear to see. I would agree with you there. And, and just leaping to the, to, to the last bit of this article, which is about this Skype consultation. Yeah. Now, sure, I agree with going forward, we have to embrace new technology. I get really frustrated. I have to have a fax machine at home and in my office because there are pharmacies and hospitals that will not accept emails. Mm. They won't embrace new technology. I have to still send faxes. I sometimes say to patients... Really? Oh, yeah. yeah I didn't even I, know I, there I, were I, fax I machines email, still. I can't email a prescription to a pharmacy, but I can fax one. Where's the logic in that? And oh, I yeah. think there's a lot of that going on, and we're, we're quite Luddite about new technology. Now, yeah. Yes, we should embrace new technology. This whole business about doctors not wanting Skype consultations, that's, I think, being deliberately confused in this article. Mm. What is actually happening is a company called Babylon has contracted with the NHS in London and now in Birmingham to do Skype consultations for NHS patients. Okay. Right. Now, in general terms, you and I would agree that sounds like a good thing, but to the, to the doctors who are running their practices, what it does is it creams off the young, fit, IT-savvy patients for whom they get an annual fee mm. and leaves the most general practice in the country with uh, the elderly, the chronic ill, the disabled, people who don't want to use new technology. And so it's actually about loss of income. So I read this article and it said, oh, doctors are concerned about Skype consultations because it means more work for them. Actually, they're more worried about loss of income. Yeah. And they, they should say that. Um, so it's, it's slightly misleading. Yes, I think that is the trouble with the whole NHS and the problems that it has. Very few people, uh, Doctor, are honest about what is actually yeah. going on. Very few people yeah. will point at a, a particular problem and say, this is the problem. And they'll try and sort of couch it in various different ways. They'll try and uh, soften uh, the pill somehow. Um, yeah. and, and it's just not really good enough as far as I'm concerned. No. I mean, we, we, we already don't have... We had a story at the beginning of the week about one particular doctor in an emergency situation looking after half a million patients. Yeah. I mean, it's no. mad, isn't it? I'm not, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, if you say the NHS employs a million people, if you ask them all how to solve the problem, you get a million different yeah, answers. True. And there's quite a lot of self-interest in this as well. Um, uh, you know, when we had the junior doctors strike, I was one of the few people arguing, no, the junior doctors are just looking for more money. But if it's, you know, if it's all from one cake, then I, I felt that was unfair. They mm. were saying it was about safety. So, look... I get frustrated that we don't train more doctors from the UK. Yeah. Young, bright students from schools can't get into medical school because of a shortage of places. Now, I know it's very expensive to train doctors, 
And it would not be unreasonable to say to doctors that we pay for training. You've got to give X years to the NHS. That would not be unreasonable. But no one's actually tried that yet. Mm. Um, what we do is we, we steal doctors from poor countries all over the world and import them to run our NHS. And somebody must be making these decisions, Lawrence, right? Yeah, somebody yeah. At, at some point in, in the yeah. management structure of the NHS is deliberately doing this. Well, it's part NHS, of course, it's partly the education system as well and mm. the funding of, and so on. So it, it, as all these things, there are unintended consequences and there are complex situations that actually haven't changed in all the years I've, I've worked in medicine. I would have been having these same conversations years ago. No one has really taken a grip of it. And my frustration with things like the whole Skype consultation is it's done piecemeal. So mm. the little bit of Skype, it's like when NHS 111 or NHS 24 came in. It was just added on, tacked on to what we already had. What, what someone should do is say, right, I'm going to take a grip of this. I'm going to stop everything. Right, from tomorrow, if you want to see your GP, you're not allowed to go to A&E for a start. See, yeah. A&E should be turning people away, yeah. which they don't, who've got sore throats and broken... Well, the A&E is the, is the place that you always have to go at the weekend because there's nowhere else to go. Well, yeah, but that's ridiculous. A &E, you know, one, one of my nurse friends used to point to patients and say, read those words, mm. accident and emergency. Yeah. Now, which one of those are you? And she'd send patients on her way. Right. But she's, she's rare... People with sore throats and broken fingernails and run out of their inhalers will pitch up at A&E. It's not a good system. No, it's not. We need to streamline it. We need to say, you know, it's no point adding on a bit of Skype and a bit of NHS 111, a bit of A&E and a bit of walking cl clinics that right. are separate from your GP. Just tidy the whole thing up. If you want to integrate NHS general practice with some hospital services, that would be a good thing. It would actually be more, make general practice more enjoyable. Yeah. It's a fairly tedious job at times. I, I mean, what say. would be wrong, for example, if you couldn't run a 24-7, I'm not maybe it's not 24-7, but certainly a seven-day-a-week GP service. Yeah. You can't do that in any particular place. What would be wrong with having a GP surgery sort of in a hospital attached well, to the owner? Yes, ab you're absolutely right. And again, that is tried in some places, right. but not others, mm. you see. So quite a lot of hospitals will have... A double section. I say you go there if you're acting an emergency. You go there if you want to see a GP. That's actually a very, very good idea. Yeah, thank you. And actually, I would, I would love to do that sort of work. I'd, I'd go back into NHS practice if I could work in a hospital setting with all the equipment around me. But, yes. But again, it's it's piecemeal. It's it's bits and pieces. No one is taking a grip and no. saying we've we've got to stop overuse. We've got to stop misuse. We've got to filter out, have triage, mm. and say to people, no. You're going back to the pharmacy. You you do not come to A and E or even general practice for that problem. But it's it's very hard to confront patients. Yes, but I mean, what we do know, Dr. Lawrence, is that uh, in five years' time we are going to have what sounds like a bit of a GP crisis yeah. if, in fact, all of these GPs do leave the business for one reason or another because it's yeah. too hard. They're working ridiculous hours. Yeah, it's being made more and more difficult for them rather than easier, and it's yeah. and it's going to be a real problem, isn't it? Yes. It, it, well, it's already a real problem. Yeah. I, had a, I had a patient yesterday who I see him when he's in London. He was seeing his doctor somewhere else in the country. He sent me an email later in the day saying, oh, I didn't see a doctor. I saw a nurse and she couldn't do anything for me. Well, that's a waste of his time, your time, because you're a taxpayer, mm. my time. It's a waste of everybody's time. But that is happening all the time in, in trying to satisfy this overwhelming demand. And there is an overwhelming demand. We're not doing it properly. Uh, uh, some of it must be down to the patients as well, who do make unreasonable demands on the system. Mm. But if you provide a system free at the point of use, 
that's going to happen. I'm not saying we should introduce charges. I yeah, don't but we kind of have, though, haven't we? That's another thing that we've got piecemeal uh, going yeah. on as well, because it's actually not free at the point of use for everyone, and it's not free at the point of use whatever you do. Yeah, that's true. There are some, some prescription charges for a, a minority of people are actually quite high. Yeah. And, and as you say, if people are forced to, to go the private route, then in, in a sense... That's another form of charge. Right. But, um, I mean, why is it, for example, because nobody's ever explained this to me, why is it, for example, that if you've got a consultant uh, who is about to do some kind of operation with you, uh, but they say there's a waiting list of, say, three or four months, but if you say, I'm going to go private, your same consultant will do it for you tomorrow or next week. How is that possible? Yeah, you see, well, a lot of people use that sort of argument as a way of thinking the consultants are doing that deliberately to build their private practice. I, it, it, you know, the consultant has contracted a certain number of hours to the health service. Yeah. So a lot of people think doctors who work for the NHS have to dedicate their lives 24 hours, seven days a week, and they get very upset if doctors do other things in their, in their own time. Look, that's just the way it is. You know, if a doctor... A but that's not acceptable, surely. It's uh, the way you... When you put it that way, it sounds... It sounds unreasonable. It does. Well, it does, because it the is. Doctor's, <laughs> the doctor's being paid on his contract to work, what, 48, 50 hours a week for the NHS. Yeah. It, if he does other things in, his, in the rest of his time, that's up to him Although, and the private hospital. Yeah, well, maybe, well, maybe, but also there are several reasons why you might make an argument that it's not a healthy situation. I mean, I'm quite happy if there's a private doctor that does it, but the same doctor causes problems for me because, one, it means that he's working maybe too many hours, uh, and he, when he comes yeah. back to do his NHS work, he might not be as good as he should be. And yeah. secondly, he might be using NHS equipment, which is also unreasonable well, for me. I, yeah, there have been doctors that have been struck off for doing that. So, look, I, 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 the, when you put it that way, it sounds dreadful, but mm. I think it's a consequence of having a system that's overloaded. And I think that that is just, um, that is just spilling over the sides. It's creating a, a, a market. It's creating a private opportunity, which, which doctors will gratefully accept. Right. Uh, in the same way, I, you know, I left the health service because I, I found the demands unbearable. I now work full-time private practice. Right. Now, really, uh, my job shouldn't exist if the health service is doing its job properly, but there is a demand, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and, and are you finding that demand going up? Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm. And, and the example I gave you of the, the patient called me yesterday, in, in many senses, the NHS is the best recruit, recruiting officer for private practice right. because it is so overwhelming, overwhelmed with demand mm. that patients, particularly in you know, the wealthy areas um, of the world, will, will look to a private alternative. Sure. And I'm not expecting you to have a, a sort of a magic wand to wave right now, but what, what can we do to prevent this, what, what is an impending crisis? You said we're already kind of there anyway, but what can we do to, uh, to make it not happen? I think have a, a really adult, sensible conversation, cross-party, take it out of political work, hands and say, look... There are other countries in the world that, where the healthcare is run in a different way. Mm. Uh, and, and I mean, I think something radical has to happen. Not necessarily charges, maybe an insurance-based system that just tidies up. Because at the moment, it's, it's just it's too messy. It's just too open to too many things and too many people. Yeah. Limited. It doesn't have to. We don't have to do. All the, all the stuff we do on the NHS, and we do a lot of cosmetic work and so on yeah. and so forth. I think tidy up, focus on the very ill people. That's what I think. No one who is sick and has a, a, a serious illness should have to pay for their care. No. But there are other things that are less serious. Maybe we can look at it in that way 
and have some sort of insurance-based system that focuses yeah. and gives the, good, the right health care to the people who need it when they need it, and the rest have to think about doing it in another way. Well, I've got one piece of good news for you, Dr. Lawrence. I've just been tweeted uh, a story from December uh, in which it says the NHS will be banned from buying fax machines from next month and has been told by the government to phase out the machines entirely by the 31st of March 2020. Well, that's (laughs) phenomenal. There's one hospital somewhere that's got 600 fax machines. Can you believe that? I know. It's madness. Absolutely crazy. Dr Lawrence, as ever, thank you very much indeed. Dr Lawrence Girl is there, a man uh, who knows an awful lot about why the NHS doesn't work, uh, has got great ideas, actually, as to how you streamline it. I've always said it's way too big. It's unwieldy. Nobody can manage the NHS, so it's managed badly, and that's what's wrong with it. I want to hear your stories, please. 034 for 499 Have you gone private to get something done because you couldn't wait the length of time they wanted you to? I said I'm sorry mama I never meant to hurt you I never meant to make you cry but tonight I'm cleaning up my closet this is the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, 0344 We've got some great tweets coming in on the NHS front. Many of you have gone private. Some of you have had a good experience. Some of you have not. Uh, what I'm saying is the two-tier system doesn't seem to be working at the moment. It needs to change, surely. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Tanya uh, is in Manchester. I believe she's a junior doctor. Hi, Tanya. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Well, you? Yeah, very well. What would you like to tell us? Right, so... Uh... You know the point you made about uh, surgeons who cannot operate within the NHS for months but are happy to take you in privately in the next week? Mm. So a surgeon can't very well be like, oh, look, I have some time next week. Come over and then operate on you because you need a theatre, you need equipment, you need the nursing staff, you need the theatre staff, you need a recovery, you need ICU beds. All of that comes together when performing an operation. And it's because the NHS does not have the capacity capacity to do that for example the next week that the surgeon is offering it privately right but it doesn't seem fair does it no it doesn't seem fair it's not fair and i wholeheartedly agree that our management is terrible Mm. and we can possibly there is money in the nhs that we're spending on locum doctors private uh, employing privately the nurses the bank nurses all of that if we could put all of that money into the nhs into the doctors and nurses that we already have if we could manage that better we would be we would be able to do a lot more with the money we have. But the sad truth is that it's managed terribly. But just the fact uh, that doctors are happy to do you privately, it's not really up to them. No, I get that. What's your situation, Tanya? Have you found that the the, the NHS is much more difficult to work within than uh, you expected it to be? Or is is it about the way you thought it would be? It's pretty much the way I expected it to be. It's not... I mean, I, I didn't have great expectations coming in. It's, I've been here only for two years. I'm, I've been qualified for two years. Okay. And it's been it's been as difficult as I expected it to okay. be. But when you're on the inside, you realise exactly how much money is just being wasted because we can't manage it properly. Right. That's a shame, isn't it? Because it does so many good things, but it just is so yeah. badly run in so many different ways. I mean, what is, yeah. what, what is your plan? How long do you stay a junior doctor for? Well, I mean, I'm planning, because I'm a surgical trainee, I am planning to stay here for a while, but sometimes it's really frustrating and you do wonder whether it's worth it. But for the moment, my plan is to stay. Okay, and are you working crazy, ridiculous hours that would make everybody shiver? Well, yeah, we do, um, on paper, we do 40 hours a week, but in reality, we do about 60. Okay. And if if I said to you, is there one thing that you could do straight away that would improve the situation that you're in, what would it be? 
I think if we could employ more doctors instead of getting locum doctors, because we are employing doctors, but we're just paying them locum rates, which is you could employ three of me for the rate of one locum doctor. If we could take a stronger stance in employing locum doctors and employing more full-term doctors, I think that would dramatically improve the situation. Okay. Tanya, thank you very much indeed for making the call. Tanya, who's a junior doctor uh, calling in from Manchester, uh, saying, yeah, it's absolutely unfair and ridiculous that you can get a private men- a private doctor to do an operation faster than you can get it on the NHS. She says there's reasons for that, but she agrees with me that the management is absolutely woeful. And I think anyone who's ever been involved with the NHS would be able to tell you that. 03444991000. I mean, they lose documents, they lose patient records, you know, they make appointments and then they break them. It really is a shambles, absolute shambles. Let's talk now, though, uh, to a man who knows an awful lot about smoothing things over. He is, of course, uh, the Royal Butler, Mr Grant Harold. Grant, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, sir. How are you? Now, we th- I'm very well indeed. Now, we thought of you not only because of your connection to Scotland in a lovely place called Helensburgh in uh, the beautiful <laughs> county well. of Argyll and Butte, the Ross Lee mm-hmm. Hall Hotel. We mm-hmm. were going to talk about this yesterday, uh, but we're doing it today instead. They've got uh, into a bit of hot water because apparently they've just taken it upon themselves to do a few classes up there mm. uh, in teaching men how to do things like domestic chores, laundry, mm. you know, how to do the dishes, how to make the bed, how to give breakfast in bed to, to, to your other half. I think it's all a great idea, isn't it? I, I think this is the best news I've heard so far. Yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. The thing that makes me smile is, you know, in the world of etiquette, sexism gets used a lot, this, this label, and yeah. people have always been saying this is sexist. How is it sexist? Because, you know, this is instead of the ladies being kind of asked to do beds and all this, this is the men. I think this is fantastic. You know, men should be able to bring breakfast to ladies in bed, make beds, do a bit of vacuuming, do ironing. Personal experience, uh, last year I was on a, a cruise ship, um, or a super yacht, I think they, they call themselves. Oh, yes. Uh, very, very smart. And I remember being in the laundry room, because that's my favourite place on the ship, of course. That's my <laughs> true to nature. And the amount of men in this laundry room, I can't tell you. And they were, they, they were struggling with ironing shirts, and, but they were trying. And I ended up not giving lessons, but they were all standing around watching me iron a shirt. Right. And it was hysterical. But it was great, and the ladies were kind of keeping out of the way, and they were coming up saying to me, because I was one of the, the speakers on board, and they were coming up saying to me, oh, it's great, we're here, you're kind of showing our chaps how to do things. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Well, exactly right, because most men don't actually know how to do any of this stuff, and unless they're actually oh. taught by their parents or their mother, mm-hmm. they, they, they never find out, do they? No, and, and funny enough, I was uh, having a, a talk the other day about the fact that a lot of people kind of, to a certain age now, stay at home. I mean, I was not kicked out the door, but I left when I was early 20, you know, 20, 21. Um, friends I've got were 19, 18 when they left home, 17 when they left other parts of the world. And you, you have to suddenly learn the, well, don't have to, but I mean, these are really good skills to learn, to be able to iron a shirt. I mean, if you're going to go for a job interview as a young, a young man or, or, or even a lady, yeah. and you haven't got a nice a nice iron shirt or blouse, whatever, it can affect your chances. To be able to do these very simple, I think they're simple tasks, mm. are, are vital to, to life. No, absolutely right. And also, making breakfast in bed for your other half can get you out of all sorts of trouble as well, it? Can't really it? can. I think it's a, a great idea. You know, the, what's nice, regardless of if it's for him or her, taking a breakfast tray into the bedroom in the morning, I think it's, it's great. I always say the only thing is, there's a little rule about this. Uh, traditionally, um, it was normally the ladies that would have breakfast in bed because yeah. the men would come down. And you, you, your listeners are going to be horrified at this, but the rule used to be, the reason for it, was that the married ladies uh, were already married and didn't need to look for the husband, so they could stay in bed and have their breakfast. 
registry <laughs> where the single ladies right. had to go downstairs because they were looking for husbands. Right. And mm. how many of them would find a husband over the breakfast table? I, I dread to think. And also worried me how many married men were down there. That was also a bit worrying. Yes. But anyway, we won't get into that. Um, I'm, I'm sure they did eventually find the... the, the well, the I, mean, I mean, I suppose it must be awkward at times if you're carrying a breakfast in bed tray to some room or other. It can be. Um, it can be. I once was in a hotel um, with somebody and uh, the people bringing the breakfast in bed tray to both of us got about one foot into the room and then just tripped and fell and dropped the whole lot all over the floor, which was, of course, the most embarrassing thing because we were in bed and you couldn't do anything, really. I couldn't get up and help them. Um, (laughs) And I just had to sit there while they cleared it all up. Do you know, luckily, in 22 years, that's never happened to me. Right. But there is a trick. I mean, I was kind of, when I'm training, the, the, in fact, I was doing training for Funny Off in Scotland last week, and yeah. I say to the students, make sure that the, the tray's the other way around, so it's facing towards them, so when you put it down, it's already the right way around. Yes. Make sure that you've, you've, you know the room well, um, you know, pre somebody being in that room. Yeah. Um, another good idea is you might even put the tray down outside, go in the room, offer to open the curtains fast, and yes. then you can make sure there's no obstacles uh-huh. um, in the way or how. Um, you know, it can be a very dangerous profession, the battle profession. People don't realise. Um, no, I'm sure. I mean, you must have seen some <laughs> terrible things, which I dare say you could never talk about. Oh, you know, the amount of battles that have, have been lost to handbag attacks, I, I can't even remember, <laughs> that trip over the handbags under the table yeah. and things. Oh, God, absolutely horrendous. <laughs> well, what's your, what's your sort of number one tip for breakfast in bed? What's the thing you must include? I think you've always got to have toast, and I know people kind of say, oh, but it makes crumbs, but... That's the main part of a breakfast tray. In fact, yeah. I'm horrified if somebody asks for a breakfast tray and don't ask for toast. I automatically give it to them. Must think, it well, be in a toast rack, though? Oh, yes. Oh, God, yeah. Silver silver toast rack. None of this kind of cheap nonsense <laughs> from Ikea. Silver toast rack, all cut. Remember, crust off, all the crust off. Right. The listener will be going, what on earth are you going to do with the crust? They're going to go to the chickens, so just make sure you know where your local chickens are and you take them off there once a week. And, um, you know, that's the thing. Put it in the toast rack, all the corners uh, cut off. Rectangles, triangles are a bit hotel-y, so Mm. let's just stick to rectangles. Um, You know, that's... And the other thing is don't leave tea bags in the teapot. Uh, If you make the tea and you want to use tea bags, I'd go for tea leaves, but if you want to use tea bags, make sure you remove the the tea bags so that there's nothing kind of gets stuck as they're poured in the tea. Fantastic. This is all great advice. Grant, thank you very much indeed. Grant Howard, the Royal Butler, telling you how to prepare uh, your favourites uh, breakfast in bed. Make sure you've always got toast. I think it's National Toast Day, actually, uh, but I'm not having any at the moment. How about this for a, a tweet from Roy? My ex-father-in-law wanted his knee fixed on the NHS. They told him it was a nine-month wait. The same consultant then gave him a card, told him he could do it in three weeks' time at his Edinburgh clinic for 2,500 quid, or a bit cheaper at 2,200 quid in his Glasgow one. See, that can't be right. That cannot be right. This is Talk Radio. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Coming up at 1 o'clock, it's uh, Matthew Wright, of course, and Kevin O'Sullivan. Uh, they'll be in just before the news to tell us what's coming up uh, on their show. We were talking about dog collars uh, and uh, the ability to turn them into smart dog collars that we're now getting uh, from some mobile phone companies. Miles says, uh, never mind high-tech dog collars. I told my 14-year-old son, within your lifetime, babies will have microchips inserted soon after birth under the guise of monitoring their health, and they will be monitored 24-7 from the cradle to the grave. Well, funnily enough, I've always thought that because you can microchip dogs, surely uh, that microchip could be used not just for identification purposes, but to track them as well. So you wouldn't actually need to get a proper tracker uh, on the actual uh, dog collar because they'd already have one in the microchip. But who knows? What do I know about these things? Let's talk to Susan, who's in Exeter. Hello, Susan. Good morning, Michael. Lovely to talk to you. Very Thank nice. You I'm sorry to say it's, it's actually afternoon, I'm afraid, Susan, but I'm sorry oh, to correct you. Oh, you know I always get it wrong. Oh, you know I always get it wrong. I know. Um, I, we love talk radio. We love our callers. Harry, I love you. You're talking about cod liver oil. Yes. That gentleman. Was Harry calling from Portsmouth? Or? He was calling from Portsmouth, yeah. yeah. Harry, we love you. Cod liver oil is amazing. My mum, she lived to be 84, and she, when she said there were little children, they were lined up before they went to school in yes. the morning, and they had a table. Oh, she said it was horrible. It tasted <laughs> awful. Awful. I remember. I mean, I don't think you can still get it, can you? You can get it in Holland and Barrett and Boot. Oh, sorry, I slipped there. I shouldn't say that. You can well, get it. You can you mention can. them if you like. I don't mind. I never go into you that shop. You can get it. Why not? Well, I don't like the look of it. There's nothing in there I want. There's loads of stuff in there. Yeah, but I don't want any of it. Okay, all right. So, yeah, right. I don't go there. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll take your comment on board. Um, you've had some lovely people talking this morning, as usual, about the NHS. Yes, indeed. Subject. We've had Dr Lawrence and ladies and gentlemen signing up, giving very, very yeah. important comments. Um, what do you reckon about the NHS? We, it's not working, is we, it? We, no, hang on, we have a wonderful, wonderful NHS. I've no, we don't. It's times. not true, Susan. It no, doesn't listen. work. No, listen, let me tell you. Let me finish the sentence. All right. We just need to give it a few tweaks. Well, quite a lot of tweaks. Well, yeah, but, you know, people... Look, you've got ladies and gentlemen, they're they're giving their expressions. They've they've even gone to local government about it. People are not listening at the top. They're not listening. The the management's no good either. 
this is where we're going wrong. I told you before last mm. year, Michael, we're pouring water into a bucket full of holes. Yes, true, yeah, very true. The, and you can't just keep pouring more and more water in because it's still going to disappear out of the holes. Yeah, but they need to listen and all the doctors need to unite and go up to the, the authorities and say, look, this isn't working. You need to do something. You need to listen now. Yes. But you see, but also we'll never have a sh- shortage of GPs because we've got wonderful, do- we have wonderful English doctors as it yeah, is. Yeah, but we we've are going to have a shortage because there's already not enough of no, them and more of them no, are going to leave. No, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Go We're going to get doctors from the Ukraine and Poland and Romania. They're dying to get here, and they? they're very clever. All right. They're very well, clever. Maybe not so people. much after uh, Brexit, because they'll have to make more than 30000 no, a year, won't they? No, no, don't worry about that. They'll get in. I'm not worried. Well, no, they, they will get in. We'll have plenty of doctors. Really? But you see, you, well, of course we will. Okay, well, I'll take your word for it, Susan, but mark my words, and when you next try and get a doctor in the next 10 years, you'll find that there's not as many of them going around as you thought. Uh, Linda tweeted in and said this, Ray, the state of the NHS, I have private medical care through work, and now I pay to see a GP privately. I'd rather see someone who actually wants to see me. The first time I went about a funny mole, he asked me if anything else was bothering me, and I was sold. Well, there you go. They do care when you're paying them directly. It has to be said. The smile on your face lets me of your hand says you'll catch me wherever I fall You'll say it best when you say nothing at all This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. You know what to do. Matthew Wright will be along very shortly to tell us what's coming up in his show. But right now, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Instagram and uh, Instagrammers because apparently they're all uh, upsetting people over in Notting Hill, uh, which, of course, was the scene uh, of that great movie with Hugh Grant. Uh, They're all posing outside houses in Notting Hill because they've got uh, cute-looking steps, they've got cute-looking doorways. Uh, These are things that have become a thing, apparently. The big piece of the Times today. We're going to talk now uh, to uh, Rhea Dines, actor model an Instagrammer, uh, who I don't know whether she's been hanging around in Notting Hill, but if she has been, people are not very happy about it. Rhea, very good uh, afternoon to you. Hi there, Mike. How are you doing? Me. I'm good, thank you. How no, are you? I'm very well. Have you have you been part of this Notting Hill uh, craze? It seems so. I woke up this morning and I found my picture in a Daily Mail article. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can well, bill them. Yeah, I know. Uh, at least they credited me this time. Oh, OK. Well, I'm looking at a piece in The Times this morning and they've got a couple of pictures of various people. One woman coming out of a tent, uh, another woman standing yeah. on front of a, in front of a doorway. I mean, what is it about this kind of activity that is causing so much of a problem for the residents? I think um, at the moment for people, I mean, you know, the thing with the Notting Hill houses is they're, they're, they're so unique, they're stunning, they're pretty and people want great aesthetic for their pictures so you know they're finding these houses and like any tourist you want to take a picture of it we live in like a very digital world right now you've seen it you want to take a picture of it and put it online yeah we do but i mean i I don't know if you remember this one and i can't tell you exactly where it was but it was over christmas Mm. i think and there was a there was a street corner or a cross cross section of two streets in manhattan and there were um something like 15 different instagrammers standing in the middle of the road having their pictures taken in front of this one particular building and it was kind of highlighted how kind of mad it was really because everybody wanted to be in the same place i guess yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm very guilty of it. I, you know, I'm a fashion blogger. Um, I put it all over my Instagram. 
And to, uh, when I put my outfits together, I want a great background and aesthetic for my pictures. Um, but I do think, you know, bloggers and residents, we do have to have a respect for them. Yeah. So with that in mind, I do take care. I don't go on the steps. I mainly use the sidewalk and the right. street. I mean, I'm, I looking have, at your, I'm looking at your Instagram have, yeah. account now, and there's a lot of pictures of you outside buildings, isn't there? Yeah. And that, yeah, I mean, so what? Like, and, I like and, is, and, and is that? I mean, but does, how does a building sort of become a thing? Is it something that everybody recognises immediately? Does it matter? Um, I, do you know what? I don't really know. I think you know, if you take a picture in a great outfit that you feel great in, you want to put it on Instagram. You kind of want the whole aesthetic of the picture to look great as well. Right. And if you've got a background like the Notting Hill houses, I mean, it just it just completely adds to it and it right. makes your feed look pretty. Okay. And what's, what is, I mean, do you make a living out of this? I know that's a very embarrassing question to ask you, but I mean, as far as your Instagram account, does, is that your main source of income or how does that work? No, it's not. I actually have a day job. Um, I work for ASOS, so that's my day job. But um, for me, the fashion blogging is a hobby. I do receive... Um, sort of free products from brands okay. to put on my Instagram, but I don't necessarily get paid. I just receive products in return. For oh, okay. You don't have to sort of uh, be, uh, be be all honest about it and say this brought this picture brought to you by somebody or other. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just, a, I think for a lot of people, it's just very hard to, to, to kind of get their head around. How many followers have you got? Yeah. Um, I've just got over, just over 3,000. Okay, so that's quite a lot of people who look at yeah, your it's pictures. quite a modest amount, yeah. I mean, people <laughs> always go, oh, it's nothing unless it's a million. Actually, you know, if I was used to say to people, if you think about that number of people standing in one place looking yeah, at you, that's definitely. quite a lot of people. Yeah, 100%. Right. And, you know, people nowadays, like my main source of inspiration does come from Instagram. I see an influencer who I like, I see what she's wearing, where she's standing and posing and, you know, it influences people. It does yeah. exactly that. I must admit, I had very little sympathy for the residents when I read this quote from a guy called Richard <laughs> Courtney, apparently aged 75, who described the bloggers as bloody irritating. He said, I just said, you're all in my way. So I got in my Range Rover and nearly mowed them all down. I mean... Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's a bit, <laughs> a bit much. I mean, I think winding people um, on a hill like him up is probably yeah. a good idea. But as I, as I see it, you know, I spoke to my friends about this and things, and you know, we're not doing any harm taking a few pictures on the street. No. Um, like, uh, you know, we're not vandalising the properties. We're, li we're actually appreciating them because they are absolutely stunning. Well, they are. Uh, but I can, un I can understand, you know, residents getting frustrated with it. If people are, you know, invading their doorways, that, you know, I do get that. But there's always been, but there's always been that kind of thing. I mean, I remember going to the Cotswolds years ago, and if you go to sort of Upper Slaughter or Lower Slaughter, you know, people yeah. are walking past houses looking in the windows because it's a tourist, yeah. it's a tourist spot. Same in, uh, exactly. you know, the same in Hampstead. There's parts of Hampstead where people yeah. just walk around looking in the buildings. Corf Castle is the same. You know, I, I suppose the diff difference is you guys are kind of maybe, I mean, there's one particular uh, woman here apparently who was sort of changing outfits uh, in a tent and then doing different pictures with a new outfit. So I suppose that could be a bit irritating. Yeah, so when I've been there, people definitely, they change in the street or, you know, if you've got a pub on the corner, people will go in and change in the pub um, because if they're only say they're only there for an hour they want to get as much content as possible right so yeah they will go and change in the street they'll change in the path um but as i see it you know we're not doing any harm we're taking a few pictures um as, as long as we're not doing anything awful then yeah I, I, I oh, listen it's, it's, okay, it's, it's but... what you call progress isn't it i mean some people might not yeah. call it progress but i mean people should just put up with it really shouldn't they if they don't, if you don't want people coming around to look at your house don't live in a nice house 
Well, this, I mean, you know, I do get where they're coming from if they're irritated by it. However, you know, you've got these houses and they look a certain way. They actually are technically that they're they're famous on yeah. Instagram. They're famous in the world of social media, and everybody wants to go there and take a picture. Yeah, they didn't moan so, when they started filming Notting Hill there, I presume. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they had Hugh Grant and all sorts of people knocking about. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, Ria, listen, enjoy yourself. Where, where's your next uh, point, port of call? Where are you going to pose next? Well, I'm actually thinking, I like um, the London Bridge aesthetic and the House of Parliament as a yeah. backdrop, so I'm thinking maybe there next time. How's the Parliament? Definitely go down there when all the all the crazy people are there with their Brexit flags. You could do a good uh, do a good series of pictures there. The posing in front of them all. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'll come and help you, and we'll let you know. Ria, thank you very much indeed. Ria Dines, there, actor, model, and Instagrammer. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show ten to one Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.